You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. <laughs> but you know, have you ever wondered where all are all these places that they talk about in the Bible? We kind of assume that everything was like in Israel, but it's not necessarily true. Uh, so, um, actually, uh, the beginning, you know, uh, the uh, Garden of Eden is thought to have been right over here near uh, the Persian Gulf, and the um, the early uh, patriarchs um, lived in this uh, area here. Uh, oh shoot! Well, how do I get? How do I go back? Eh. Uh, there you go. Went back too far. Okay, <clears throat> and so, um, and then uh, Mount Ararat is, you know, up here, and uh, um, Babylon is over here. And did you know that Babylon is where the Tower of Babel was built? Uh, so it, it seems obvious, but, you know, I just was like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I never knew. That's why it was called Babylon, but. Anyway, and so it wasn't until uh, Abraham was asked to come out uh, in his journey here that the you know, people of God ended up in this area. So this is the journey, Abraham's journey from Ur, the land of Ur, uh, to at that time it was called the land of Shechem. <clears throat> and so and beginning in Genesis 12, Abraham later called, uh, or Abram later called Abraham journey west modern-day Israel, and his descendants live in this area until they uh, joined Joseph in Egypt in uh, Genesis 50. Okay. Uh, it's also believed that the book of uh, Job was written around this time because Job was from this area. <clears throat> and Abraham is just a prime example of someone who learned to trust. Oh, oh you were supposed to come in. Is it okay if I uh, went talk? Okay, <laughs> I know that was the. Yeah, you should be standing here because I'm going to be going. <laughs> you got to say something tonight, so you sure. Something. Okay, Abraham was a prime example of someone who obeyed God and was blessed because blessed by it. Right, Genesis 22:18, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Um, when you obey God, He takes care of you. Stand here. Okay. I need you. Okay. I need you too. And so after Genesis, we have Exodus. And so uh, there is this uh, period of time where the Bible is kind of silent. And that is that time when, uh, uh, the, uh, when Joseph and his family came to Egypt. And then uh, there was like 400 years between that time and when Moses uh came to deliver the people. And it's a very interesting foreshadowing, that time of, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Uh, that time of waiting and wondering, when is God going to work? And it's uh, so interesting, it's about the same amount of time period of silence that there is between the Old and New Testament, when we're waiting, when the people are waiting for the Messiah. So God specifically uses that time to, to, for us to persevere and, and, see, and test our patience. Um, and so uh, God, of course, hears and sends Moses to deliver his people to the promised land. And at this time is that God presents his people the laws. Anyone remember how many laws were given? 
A lot. <laughs> How many laws are in the Old Testament? 613. 600. <laughs> okay. And so, um, Dave, you can talk about this. Huh? Okay. Deuteronomy 10. It says, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to, I don't need this mic. <laughs> but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Are God's commands for our own good? Yes. Okay? And you will discover that when you don't obey them. You'll go, oh, man, that was stupid. <laughs> right? Anybody, anybody ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. I certainly have. Okay? And it just uh, shows you that God's always looking out for us. He just doesn't, doesn't give us these random laws. It says here, it's there for your own good. And that's something we need to really trust him on. <clears throat> Oops, let me go back to. <clears throat> and so, um, actually, the trip to the promised land should have only taken a few weeks uh, because, um, no, they crossed the Red Sea. He's too loud, Dave. And so they could have just gone, uh, you know, north here. But what happened? You know, the whole golden calf thing, and um, and them not really trusting God. So then, what did the trip end up going? Uh, Here and then around and all around. (laughs) So it took a you know forty years. You know, and uh, it's because of their ingratitude and idolatry. In the meantime, they water in the desert. And it's this period of time that we have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and uh, jo- Deuteronomy and Joshua. And Joshua is when they actually landed in the, in the promised land, when they were actually con- the conquest of the promised land. <clears throat> and so uh, the conquest of the United Kingdom is uh, between 1406 B.C. up to 931 B.C., and uh, uh, we know we all know the story of uh, the fall of Jericho, and so it, it begins with that. And at this time, uh, the leaders were called judges. So Joshua would have been considered the first judge. And and so there, um, during the period of judges, though, you know they didn't necessarily rule all of Israel. They ruled maybe part of Israel, and sometimes the reigns overlapped. And it was a time of uh, moral and spiritual chaos. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And the last judge was Samuel, and he appointed uh, the first king, Saul, who quickly turns aside from obeying the Lord. And Saul's successor uh, unites the kingdom, but it uh, becomes uh, divided during the time of his grandson. So it wasn't united for very long. And uh, the history of this united kingdom is written in uh, the books of Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Uh, I mean, actually, First Kings. Second Kings is when it's divided, and then First Chronicles, and then part of Second Chronicles. And during the um, uh, reign of David and Solomon is when you have uh, Psalms and Proverbs and Song of Songs and Ecclesiastes written. Um, <clears throat> And the five poetry and wisdom books, um, uh, we just learned there's a way to, uh, to, uh, to list the books of the Old Testament. There's 39 books of the Old Testament. 
And it could be broken up into uh, 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. Right? That's it. <laughs> and so the first five books are the uh, the books of um, the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then 12 are the um, books of history. And then uh, then you have uh, five is the uh, five poetry books here, these ones here down at the bottom. Um and then you have the five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, what were the other ones? <laughs> Daniel, Daniel and uh, Lamentations, yeah. <clears throat> and then the last 12 are the minor prophets. You guys want to hear the minor prophets to It's a Small World? Okay. Okay, here we go. There's Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. There's Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. They're the minor prophets all. So, you guys, okay, so good test you next week on the minor prophets, okay? <laughs> okay, so um, has anyone um, ever noticed that Joseph doesn't have a tribe, in, it doesn't have land in Israel? Anyone ever think about that? Anyone wonder? Uh, well, it's because um, Jacob really wanted to bless him. You know, he was uh, separated from Joseph for a long time, right? He thought he was dead, and then finally he got to unite with uh, Joseph um, uh, in Egypt, and he wanted to... Uh, bless him and so what he did is he ended up uh adopting uh joseph's sons as his own so that way they could inherit joseph in a sense could get a double portion and so uh, manasseh and ephraim are the sons of joseph and they um got their own land and so uh, this is a picture from uh rembrandt he actually uh uh, painted a picture of that blessing. So uh, this is supposed to be Joseph, um, and that's Jacob, and here is uh, Joseph's sons. Uh, he's blessing, uh, Jacob is blessing Ephraim and Manasseh. So that's why um, the um, the tri- tribes of um, Israel have those two, Manasseh and Ephraim, and then uh, Levi does, is not have land. Anyone know why Levi does not have land? Yeah, because they because they were had the priestly duties, and so they got some of the sacrifices from the people, and so that's why uh, Levi doesn't have. And so you have the uh, ten uh, brothers of Joseph plus uh, Joseph's sons, and that makes the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, so the twelve dry, tribes of Israel are not Jacob's sons. No, they are 10 of his sons plus two of his grandsons. So you learn something new. Okay. Yeah. We talked about the Israelites being in Egypt, right? Remember at the beginning when they went into Egypt, it was glorious because their brother was like the number two guy. Remember him, Joseph? You've seen the movie, Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? It was glorious. <laughs> The Egyptians didn't particularly like the Israelites, but they tolerated them for Joseph's sake. And we know at the end of those 400 years, it was glorious. You know, God performs all these miracles, the Red Sea parts, they leave, right? At the beginning, it's glorious. At the end, it's glorious. In the middle, it sucked. (laughs) For generations, right? I mean, like, years and years and years... People that God loved, 
he let them go through some really terrible, awful, painful times. That helps me. Okay, It should help you because God will allow us to go through terrible, painful times, like I said last week, if the end result is good. That's it. I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about those poetry books in the Bible. Uh, They do serve as a function as poetic learning tool for God's people, but they are not simply collections of song and poetry. They're books for learning. Wisdom means applying spiritual truth to life's reality. They teach us how to live wisely in every scenario in life. One of the striking characteristics that ties these books together is the realism about life. These books are not merely philosophical or theological exercises, but they tackle some of the most common human experiences, and they do it with honesty and great deal of wisdom. However, it is easy to read these books, especially Psalms and Proverbs, in in disjointed ways, right? A Psalm here, a Proverb there. But again, I want to challenge you to find Jesus in the wisdom books. Some scriptures point directly to Jesus. Um, If you think of Psalm 18 and Psalm 29, and 45, 93, and 99, that's going to be a little activity tonight, looking for Jesus in the Old Testament. <clears throat> but uh, throughout the Bible, it does point to Jesus. And so, anyway, okay, we'll move on. <clears throat> okay, so around 931 B.C. is when the kingdom gets divided. And that's a good story about... Um, in Second uh, Kings, about listening to advice from wise people, <laughs> because uh, King Rehoboam, which is Solomon's son, um, you know, the people were complaining about the work, and uh, they wanted their load lightened a little bit, and he got advice from the elders, and the elders said, well, you should listen to the people, uh, but then he didn't like the advice from the elders. He, you know, then he got advice from his friends, and, the, and his friends said, "Oh, you should make their work even harder. Make them um, sure that uh, uh, you know that they know who's boss." And what happened? The people rebelled. In fact, uh, ten uh, or I guess uh, not, yeah, ten or twelve or uh, <clears throat> um, went uh, and uh, separated from from the kingdom of Israel. And so um, another reason why they separated is they didn't want to have to go all the way down to Jerusalem um, to worship, you know, for the temple. They wanted to have their own place of worship. And they were very influenced by the uh, surrounding kingdoms. So they um, uh, very uh, influenced by um, idolatry, worship of other gods, the gods of Canaan. So uh, the kingdom of uh, Judah was the kingdom that uh, King uh, Rehoboam was left with, you know. And so he uh, actually had the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin. So actually he had three tribes. And then the uh, northern kingdom was the rest. So the northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. And uh, this period is filled with many wicked kings in both kingdoms. It's a really interesting study to to write down, okay, who was good, who was bad, who's from which kingdom, uh, and, uh, and what we can learn from them. And it was during this time that many uh, prophets, Isaiah, Amos, Hosea, Micah, and Jonah, they challenged the people to remain faithful to God. You know, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, right, because they were um, part of the northern kingdom. And he, didn't, uh, and he didn't agree what the northern kingdom was doing. So that's why he didn't want to go there. But we all know what happened with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <clears throat> 
So they challenged the people to remain faithful to God, but while also pointing them towards a future perfect king. And the book of Isaiah has more prophecies about Jesus than any other book of the Bible. So we're going to have a breakout session right now and see how many Old Testament prophecies you can find about Jesus. Google it. See how many. And then uh, we'll have you guys share your favorite ones. So, yeah, there's a lot. Um, If you want to write some more of these down, uh, here are some more that are in in Isaiah uh, 7, 14, 9, 6, and 7. If you would like a copy of this PowerPoint, I'll post the link to it on Facebook, on the Facebook group. If you're not on the Facebook group, uh, you can email me at dianeford at gmail.com, um, and I'll send you the link. It's uh, on Google Slides. Mm. Okay, and the history during this period is recorded in First and Second Kings and also in Second Chronicles. And uh, in the historical books of the Old Testament, we see cycles of disobedience, judgment, repentance, and restoration. And it goes through again. <laughs> disobedience, judgment, repentance, restoration. And they, st- they tell the story of the moral and religious decline. Yet because God always keeps his promises, we see revival and, est- and restoration. Though it's frustrating to read the constant disobedience and failure of the kings, we must remember that the historical books still point to Christ, as we see from you know, all those prophecies. They look forward to a king who will perfectly obey God's instructions, defeat all enemies, and establish a never-ending kingdom. That's talked about in Daniel. That king is Christ, but the enemy is not a physical one. The enemy is sin and death, both defeated and conquered by Jesus. Dave, you want to read this one? Sure. Isaiah 59, 15 through 16. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. We talked about this last week, how we're all messed up. Jesus is the answer. Okay, so um, the next period of time uh, is um, Israel's uh, Assyrian exile. And so um, Isaiah was constantly warning the, um, the people, like, hey, if you disobey, the kingdom's going to get taken away from you. And guess what happened? It did. And so it happened to the northern kingdom first, uh, and that's uh, when the uh, Assyrian uh, empire pretty much took over. And the southern kingdom at that point was threatened but wasn't overtaken quite yet. Uh, they didn't get overtaken until the Babylonian Empire was in control. And so there was more p- prophetic warnings at this time, uh, written by uh, Jeremiah and Nahum and Zephaniah. Okay. Do you want to read this? All right, Isaiah 43, 4. Since you're precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Uh, I wanted to talk about this scripture because sometimes you can kind of uh, get a little discouraged about all the violence in the Old Testament. Anyone ever feel that way? Um, and I read this really uh, interesting article about how God uh, uh, was 
really trying to fulfill a promise to uh, prepare his people for his king, you know, prepare that remnant of people. And, uh, you know, if he let, uh, if he had let all these idolatrous nations just take over on them, you no, know, there wouldn't be a remnant left for Jesus to, to, uh, to save, you know. And uh, he says, you're so precious and honored in my sight. I give nations in exchange for you. And he did. He wiped out all, all some whole nations. And uh, um, it's because he knew who was going to lead people completely away from him, and uh, and he knew who was going to be left. And so uh, it really helped me be at peace with that because sometimes I, you know, you get kind of discouraged, you know, when uh, you hear about like wiping out like eighty-five thousand people, like whoa. <laughs> but <clears throat> God is. It really is because He loves us. Okay. So next uh, is the Babylonian exile. That came around 587 B.C., about 135 years after the fall of the northern kingdom. And most of the Jews are taken to Babylon, including notable characters such as Daniel and uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And the Jews remain in captivity for 70 years. Uh, <clears throat> this history is, in court, is recorded in Second Kings. Uh, 25, 2 Chronicles 36, and Daniel 1 through 5. And also during this time, you have the, um, some of the prophets uh, giving prophetic warnings and prayers for deliverance in Obadiah and Ezekiel and Habakkuk. So if you um, are ever interested in reading the Bible in chronological order, uh, they do have a Bible that um, puts it all in chronological order um, as far as uh, the historical books and the and the prophets and the Psalms all put together uh, in the order that events happened. And, uh, and so that helps you get a big picture of what's going on. If you're, um, you can get it on Amazon, I'm sure. <laughs> there is a Bible plan, I think, that puts it together that way too, but it doesn't have the commentary. It just says, okay, read these. Right. But anyway, okay. So what happened after uh, – well, an important thing happened during this time was um, – Nebuchadnezzar's dream. <clears throat> and uh, did you want to read this, Dave? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Ne- 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 Nebuchadnezzar, mildly religious guy. He has a dream. Says this was the dream, and now uh, we will interpret it to the king. Okay. Your Majesty, you are the King of Kings. The God of Heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, though, there there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly uh, baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will uh, have some of the strength of iron in it, some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united. They... Uh, sorry, any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. 
nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself, it will itself endure forever. Well, that sounds familiar, huh? Uh, this is the meaning of the vision of the, of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. scripture from a study called the kingdom study uh, <clears throat> but uh now this was a, a dream that nebuchadnezzar had that daniel was able to explain to him in daniel 2 and it pretty much he pre- pretty much predicts what's going to happen over the next several hundred years you know as far as the uh different uh empires so right now we're in, uh, they're in the empire that's the, the gold uh, the head of gold uh, <clears throat> and so shortly after this is when the Medo-Persians uh, take over after that. And then, of course, who is uh, the rock that um, comes and uh, crushes all those kingdoms? Yeah, it says here, uh, it says here, uh, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, will left um, to other people, will crush all those kings and bring them to the end. Um, uh, it's, it had said that there was a rock that was going to come and crush the feet of the uh, of the uh, statue, and that and that rock was Jesus. How, that's when he came was during that Roman period. Okay. Uh, we'll explain more about that in a little bit. Okay, so um, after Nebuchadnezzar, that breast of silver part of the statue was um, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire, and uh, under this new regime, some Jews were allowed to return to the land and rebuild the wall, and the temple. So it's during this Medo-Persian empire that you have Ezra and Nehemiah, right? Talked about uh, Nehemiah going back to build the wall. <clears throat> and then uh, is also uh, during this period is the, the story of Esther. Now, the king who was king during that time was not Nebuchadnezzar, right? Was it was Darius? No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was Cyrus or Darius, what are those? One of the butler's sons. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, and so uh, this is the coverage of the Persian Empire, but it's called Medo-Persian because it was the Medes and the Persians. Okay. And so then after that uh, was the Greek Empire, and that's that intertestamental period I was talking about where um, the Bible is kind of silent. We don't. Uh, really have a lot of writings during that time and this is the time of alexander the greek the greek and um it's just amazing how god is setting up the stage for jesus to arrive because alexander the great was determined that everyone in his kingdom his empire spoke greek what was the new testament written in greek Right. And so the empire uh, was set up. All these people knew Greek. And so when the Bible was written, they could read it. They could read the Bible. It was all written in Greek. So it was a common language. So that is uh, just, you know, setting up the stage for Jesus during this time. And then was the Roman Empire. And that was the legs of iron. And I um, <clears throat> talk, uh, talked about in the statue. <clears throat> And this, uh, during this time, uh, the Romans, they were really into uh, transportation and actually building uh, uh, roads. And that really um, set up opportunity for the gospel to be spread, for um, the, uh, the apostles to be able to easily travel from place to place, you know, out to, um, out to Asia and Italy and Spain. 
because of, of the, what they were able to set up with their empire. <clears throat> and um, the, uh, in the New Testament, the first, uh, I don't have slides for this, so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, so the first, uh, the, the four Gospels are, um, st- are uh, anecdotes from uh, Jesus' apostles and then even people who came after that time. Like Luke was not one of the apostles, right? No. But uh, so you have to remember you know, it's what they remember. And when you tell a story, you might not always say in order of what happened. So when you're reading the New Testament, not all not all of it is in chronolo- chronological order. Yeah. But God had a purpose on what he wanted spoken to us. Like Matthew was written uh, to help convince Jews to become Christians. And Matthew was Jewish. Whereas Luke, he's coming more from a, a Gentile perspective. He explains the Jewish traditions. And so, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, when you read the Gospels, you might re- see, well, that didn't happen in this one or whatever. You do have to remember, though, that uh, it's what they remember from what happened. You know? And God is still using that. You know? um, <clears throat> and so... Uh, that is, uh, uh, George is going to continue next week on the, uh, uh, talking about the New Testament. But uh, this is the end of the, uh, that video that he showed, started showing uh, um, that first week on the Old Testament. Now, if you wanted to grab a picture of this, but it's going to be on, on the PowerPoint. So what I did is at the end of the video, when it stopped and showed that whole poster, I did screenshot <laughs> so we could see... Uh, how all the Old Testament comes together, you know, the, the Torah, the Nevim, and the, uh, how do you say the other one? Ketuvim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it's really all God's love story to us, right, of how much he cares for us. And um, I wanted to um, read uh, what Jesus uh, said in Luke 24. It says, um, uh, it says, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things uh, before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so throughout the Bible, it it points to Jesus. And uh, and uh, Jesus even himself was explaining it to the disciples after after his um, death and resurrection. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.